Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. As you're turning there, I'll give you a little background information. Matthew being one of the 12 disciples, a tax collector who left everything to follow Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. His gospel is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. He uses more Old Testament references than the other gospels. He's believed to be written between 60 and 69 AD when he was in Antioch. And as we approach Easter in two weeks, Palm Sunday being next week, today we find a passage located just before Matthew's account of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And our story takes place on Jesus' final approach. He is just leaving Jericho to begin a 14-mile journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. You can show my first picture. It's a 3,000-mile climb in elevation on this 14-mile journey. So it probably feels like instead of 14, 114. But you can see all the way to the right is Jericho, and then they go up the ascents, up to the Mount of Olives, and eventually to Jerusalem. To give you some perspective, you can show my next picture too, by the way. This is an actual picture of part of the road of Jericho there, and you can see it's uh, a bit challenging. My house is in Vineland. My house is 16 miles away. The, the elevation change would be about 100 feet. <laughs> so you can imagine, right? The Jericho Road has also been the scene of several Bible stories that we read about, including the Good Samaritan. And today, if you were to go there, and they take tours, and they have hiking groups that will go there for a healthy person, and it can actually take you a good eight, nine hours to take that 14-mile trip on Jericho Road. Okay, let's begin at verse 29. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for our time. Thank you for how you're already moving in our service today, Lord. Father, as we dive into your word now, I pray, open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Open our heart to receive. Father, we thank you, Lord. Anoint this time now, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our passage today is also found in Mark 
chapter 10 and Luke 18, so we can find our story in all three synoptic gospels, which means that the gospels presented in a similar way in all three books. My sermon title today is He Hears Your Cry. He Hears Your Cry. Next week is Palm Sunday. Garrett and Tara Kenyon will be joining us. Pastor Kenyon will probably be in the house as well. Uh, they're missionaries serving in Panama, and Palm Sunday begins what we refer to as the Holy Week, the Passion Week, one of the most important weeks in all of history. One-third of Matthew, Matthew 21 through 28. One-third of Mark, Mark 11 through 16. A quarter of Luke, Luke chapters 19 through 24. Nearly half of John, John chapters 12 through 20. Overall, 29 of those 89 chapters, one-third of the Gospels focuses on this one week. And before we read the account of Palm Sunday, we find this significant story located right before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Listen, you don't want to skip over this. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to pass it by. Let's look at verse 29 as we begin through our passage today. Jericho is the setting. It's one of the most well-known cities that we have read through. We remember it most for the walls coming down. After Joshua and the Israelites marched around the city, blowing the shofars and shouting victory. Amen? We started our worship today, Victory in Jesus. Great song. Interestingly, Jericho's one of the lowest cities in elevation, 864 feet below sea level. So Jesus had to begin this 14-mile journey from that point and take the 3,000-foot climb. And we begin to see who's joining him on this trip, the disciples in a large crowd or a multitude. Up to this point, along their journeys, along their travels, Jesus has per per been performing miracle after miracle after miracle, and along the way, all the way from Galilee, there's just this building, this feeling of excitement and complete awe as they've just been witnessing all these events happening. These people in the crowd, there are many that are believing that this is him, the long-awaited Messiah that we've been waiting centuries for. And it's, the crowd's probably also made up of some people still trying to figure out what's going on here and who he is. But regardless, the crowd is growing. Maybe similar today to what we would see in a procession or some type of march or a parade. You have this big crowd now walking and following Jesus. And now we're about to meet the next two people in our story in verse 30. Two blind men sitting beside the road just sitting there and waiting, beggars. Before we can even get too far into this journey, they had just started. They encounter these two men. We know from Mark one of their names, Bartimaeus. And we know from Luke the following. When he, Bartimaeus, heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. Based on his response that we see here, the word about Jesus has been spreading. 
He must have knew who he was. So he began shouting, Lord, Son of David. He's using messianic titles, Lord, capital L, that he has authority over all. Son of David, a title reserved for the long-awaited Messiah, the deliverer, the deliverer that would rise up from the line of David. And he's shouting, have mercy on us. They're shouting it, mercy, not receiving what we deserve. I wonder if anyone here today, you may feel like one of these two men. You may feel like life is going by and you're just sitting on the side of the road. You feel like you're not in a good place, that you need help. You may feel desperate. You may feel hopeless. You may feel like life is just passing you by. That something that you are dealing with or something that you are struggling with has just got you sidelined. Like you're stuck in neutral. They are shouting because they realize, they recognize that the solution to their problem is right in front of them. If you knew the answer, if you knew that the solution, that the miracle that you needed was within reach, what would you do? Look at verse 31. Notice the response of the crowd. Not one person, not two, the crowd. They're outnumbered. Be quiet. They're yelling at them and they're shouting back at them. It's like this shouting match is happening. And unfortunately, it's coming from the people that are following Jesus. In other words, you're bothering him. Leave him alone. He has more important stuff to do. You're unclean. Get yourself straight. He can't meet with you. Look at you. He doesn't want to talk to you. Listen. There's a spiritual warfare element to this. The devil is looking for ways to silence you. To get you to shut up and keep your mouth closed. He will lie to you. He will make you feel unworthy to cry out to him. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. We recently had our message on knowing your identity. Who am I? Never forget your identity. You see, in life, there's going to be competing voices, competing things that you hear, thoughts that are going to be in your mind. Who will you listen to? There will be voices of doubt, voices of unbelief. Oh, don't pray to Jesus. He's too busy. You're not worthy. Look at the mistakes you just made. He's not going to heal you. You're wasting your time. Lies, lies, and more lies. Here's the truth, that when you call out to him, you're not bothering him. When you call out to him, there's no busy signal. When you call out to him, he is ready to hear from you. 
He's saying, come to me. He hears you. Bring it all to him. Lay it at his feet. Don't hold back. Bring it to him. Don't let the devil, the devil deceive you in thinking that you're not good enough. God loves you unconditionally. You don't earn that. You receive it. Listen, if you feel like you're a stranded island, can you imagine what it would be like to be on a stranded island? Or what if you were in, like, in Neil's story? What if you were like Omar in the boat in the Mediterranean, just surrounded by water, and the boat is sinking, right? You're just floating out there. And what if you saw a ship, the cruise ship going by? You would be shouting as loud as you can, right? For him to rescue you. If you knew the answer and the solution to what you're dealing with was in reach, you would do exactly what these guys did. The rescue boat is going by. You wouldn't be silent. You'd be shouting, Jesus, I need you. I'm sure on that boat where Omar was, if whoever else was on that boat, if they saw a ship going by, they'd be just like these guys. Help, help me. I love how they shouted louder. They were determined. They were willing to fight through and bust through the barriers, the things that were trying to silence them. They knew he could heal them. They knew it. They were blind in the natural, unable to see, opening their eyes and just seeing darkness. But they had another sight. They had spiritual sight. They knew where to turn. They knew where to call out. They knew where and who their hope lied in. When I worked in the public school system, we had a blind student in our school. Get to see her and interact with her. When I worked in the hospital system, from time to time, we would have a blind patient in the hospital. But I would venture to say that most people haven't actually maybe met someone that is naturally, physically blind. But I can say with 100% certainty that everyone in this room and watching from home knows someone that's spiritually blind. When we could not see when we were in darkness, we too were like these men, crying out to Jesus. Jesus, help me. I don't want to live like this anymore. Lord, I'm turn to you. I need you. Boy, listening to Neil's stories, man, to hear these people that they have an opportunity to interact with. You know, there was times where we were that person, when we were that one. We were spiritually blind. And these guys in this story, they didn't know if they were going to have another opportunity like this again. They seized the opportunity. 
And they shouted louder. Faith began to rise up in them, a confident expectation in what they were hoping for, assurance in what is unseen. The healer had arrived. He was walking by, and they were not going to let anyone come in the way of their healing. Wow. That story also reminds me of someone else in the Bible. Earlier in Matthew 9, just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe or the hem of his garment, and she thought, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Look at the similarities between those two stories. Another large crowd situation, another person with a chronic health issue for years, probably feeling hopeless. She's in a situation also where Jesus is passing by. Similar to Bartimaeus, here's her opportunity, and faith rose up. That confident expectation for what she's hoping for, the assurance of what isn't seen. She believed so much that Jesus was healer that I, I could just touch the hem of the garment, the piece of clothing that's touching his body, I'll be healed. No doubt that if she could just touch it, she would receive her healing. Let's look at verse 32. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? You would think the crowd noise would have canceled out these two guys crying out. You know, they're outnumbered, this large crowd. There's moving in the streets. There's all kinds of background noise, conversations. Now we got shouting back and forth. But it reminds me, like being a new parent, when you hear a baby cry. You know, we read here, he stopped and he called out to them. You know, when my kids were little, even if they were in a room filled with 20, 30 other kids, I could hear their cry. It's crazy, right, how you can distinguish it? I could distinguish it in a room full of kids. If we're at a party or some event, I would say, oh, oh that's mine. That's my son or that's my daughter. You know, through all the noise, you hear it. I love what we read here. I love Jesus' response when he heard them. He stopped. He knew, listen, he knew what lied ahead of him. He knew what he, what he was going to encounter when he reached Jerusalem. He is about to save humanity. He's about to save the world. He's just days away from being arrested, beaten, and nailed to a cross. He didn't say, I'd, like, I'd love to help you, but you know, this is a bad time. You have no idea what I'm about to go through. In Mark, he records that Jesus says something before asking this question. After he stops, he says, tell them to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Well, that's 
uh, they really sort of changed their tune quick. They went from yelling, be quiet, and now they're like, cheer up, come on, come on. They turned that, they turned that around real quick. And Mark notes that Bartimaeus, listen how Bartimaeus reacts to that. Mark records, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Yes! Can you imagine how excited he was? He knew he was about to meet Jesus. He knew he was about to be healed. All the years of darkness was about to end. Many of us have heard the Mercy Me song, I Can Only Imagine. Listen to some of these lyrics here in the beginning of the song. I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you? Be still. Will I stand in your presence? To my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? When I read how he reacts to getting to meet Jesus, I begin to think about what my response will be one day when I get to see him face to face. Will I jump up or will I fall to my knees? Will I sing hallelujah? Or will I even be able to speak at all? Knowing me, I'll probably fall to my knees and I won't be able to speak at all. <laughs> There's a great new series on TV. It's called The Chosen. Anybody see it yet? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, all right. Got some hands going up. It's good. It's about the life of Jesus. Eight episodes. I cried in every one. Probably more than once. But one incredible moment they capture is when Nicodemus meets privately with Jesus. It's awesome. It hits him. He truly realizes who is before him. That he's sitting with the Son of God. Face to face. It's awesome. Jesus heard Bartimaeus. And now he's being brought to meet him face to face. Listen, you have a heavenly father. And you know as a parent, when you hear your kids cry out, you don't walk by them. You stop. My kids are older now, but... For the rest of my life, if I hear them cry out to me, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to help them. He hear Jesus. He asks him, what do you want me to do for you? When we cry out to him, he hears us. And he calls back to us. Come to me. Come to me. Call out to him today. 
Boy, where is your heart today? Verse 33. Lord, they said, we want to see. We want to see. Lord, again, the title that just reflects all authority. We, you have authority over this. We, we want to see. We know you can heal us. What did you walk in here with today that you want to ask Jesus to help you with? You see, his presence is here today. Amen. Boy, is your, is your marriage broken or busted up? Did you walk in here today drowning in financial issues? Do you need healing? Cry out to him. Reach out in faith. Reach out with a confident expectation. No doubt. He's a miracle-working God. We see the mountain, but he sees the mountain moved. He's our storm calmer. He's our way maker, our promise keeper. And you don't have to wait for a once in a lifetime chance that he's just happened to be walking by in front of you. He's here now. He's moving in the mist. You see, in his presence, there's healing. In his presence, there's victory. Amen? In verse 34, Jesus felt sorry for them. He touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. He felt sorry. He had compassion. Tell your neighbor, that's love and action. He touched their eyes. Just one touch. And immediately, instantly, I was once blind but now I see. Mark adds this. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Similar to the woman with the issue of blood. Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Faith. It's God's delivery system. Amen. It's what moves you from sickness to healing, from being defeated to victory, from darkness to light. Faith. The delivery system. I love how this chapter ends. They followed him. They were healed. They didn't go back to where they were. They followed him. And Luke records, instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. This large crowd just witnessed a miracle, a God moment, the supernatural before their eyes. There was no natural explanation these two guys were living, breathing, walking miracles. Some of you here today, you too are also living, breathing, walking miracles. 
I've heard some of your stories. Some of you don't realize it, but you're sitting next to someone in this room right now who experienced something that has no natural explanation. There's no way to describe what happened to them other than the supernatural hand of God on their life. The healing in our story today had an enormous impact and influence on all the people there. We read that they all, all, not a few of them or one or two or some of them, they all praised God. The miracle is not a joy just for that one person there. Boy, everyone around them, they were all flooded with joy. The praise in response to it wasn't just for Bartimaeus. It was for all of them. And they all were flooded with joy. And don't we feel that way? When we hear someone's testimony, they share their testimony with us. Boy, don't we all rejoice? Because it's just like, wow, that is awesome. Praise God. In closing, a 1996 global estimate of the number of blind people in the world was at 45 million. 2021, that estimate was up to 76 million people globally who were blind. But here's another statistic for you. Uh, Neil touched on it. My numbers are a little different. Mine are a little higher. But there are 7.7 billion people on earth. It's estimated 2.3 billion are Christian. So do the math. 3, million, 3 billion, 5 billion are spiritually blind. Billion with a B. 76 million have natural blindness. Billions have spiritual blindness. Think about that for a second. Praise God for these missionaries that we're getting to see week after week and the opportunities we're getting to not only just meet them and hear their story, but plant seeds and so that what God is doing through their ministry. Amen. At the end of our story today, these guys were healed. They were following Jesus. Can you imagine the rest of this 14-mile journey? Can you imagine the atmosphere as everyone is just walking that journey on down the Jericho Road to Jerusalem? These two guys, are now, they're now able to see people. They can see plants. They can see animals, the sun, the moon, the stars. They followed Jesus on this journey, climbing the 3,000-foot elevation all the way to the top of the Mount of Olives. They probably stood there looking down into the valleys. Boy, what an awesome sight that must have been. Incredible and breathtaking. But 
Nothing, it's nothing compared to the views of heaven that they would see one day. But just as faith healed their natural blindness, our faith heals our spiritual blindness. It removes it. So let us too follow Jesus the rest of the journey and let's praise him as we go the rest of the way. We must continue to follow him. Following takes action. Faith produces something. It produces action and doing. Just like Bartimaeus, God has touched our lives too. We have evidence. We have proof. We have God sightings in our lives. Every chapter of our life, that was the hand of God. Boy, let me tell you about this. That was the hand of God in my life right here. Points of time where we can point and look and say, that was all God. That was all God right there. Share your story. It's too good to keep to yourself. It's too good to keep it contained. Let it out. Invite someone over. Share your story. Tell them about your God sighting. Because your story could be the answer that they're desperately seeking. I've heard it described this way, that your story can be the key that unlocks someone else's prison. Don't hold it all inside. Let it out. Your story needs to be heard. Share it and tell it, proclaim it. Amen. Would you stand with me? Our praise team's gonna come back up and close us out in a song. Before they do, though, we don't wanna close our service without giving an opportunity for someone here watching from home to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We just read a story of these two men just calling him Lord. They recognize his authority over all. You may have walked in here, like I said earlier, feeling like these two guys right here. You're on the side of the road. You feel like you're out of commission. You know that there's something in life that's just not right. You need help. Whether you've never made the decision before to accept Jesus in your life, or you did long ago, but things have derailed. You're way off track. Then this is your recall notice to come back. Come back in and let God restore your life. This moment is for you. There are Christian brothers and sisters praying across this room right now. Holy Spirit is just knocking on the heart. Will you open the door? You see, we all have a choice to make in life. Jesus loved us so much. We can choose to love him back or reject him and deny it. That choice is the most important decision you will ever make in life. 
So we're going to pray together right now. And if you've made that decision, pray with us anyway. Let it be an affirmation to your faith as we declare who we are in Christ. Let's pray now. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need your help. I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were resurrected on the third day. And I believe that you sit at the right hand of the Father. Thank you that my name is written in the book of life. And thank you for forgiving me of every sin I've ever committed. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I repent before you. Help me from this day forward to live a life for you. I am saved and I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Praise God. But God who 
all the glory and all the honor, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us sight, Lord. Thank you, Father. 